You're listening to the Archaeology Podcast Network. Hi, David here. In episode 65, uh, if you're listening to this on 65 or you're listening to it at the beginning of 66, I drop a pretty dark and morbid joke regarding my mental health. I struggle with mental health, obviously, uh, if that's not evident from my erratic posts and things that I do and how I am on the podcast. And I deal with it by being funny and making fun of it uh, for myself. I don't make fun of it for other people. That's how I deal with it. Uh, we've gotten a whole bunch of people reach out asking if I'm okay. I don't know. I am. I think I'm, you know, I'm alive. So I see a therapist weekly. I, actually, I put a whole video on our Instagram 10-minute video talking about all of this and how you can get help uh, or help you can identify with it. And I'll also put that on our website if you don't have an Instagram so you can check it out. But sorry to concern you guys. It's just how I deal with it and how I cope. If you're struggling with anxiety, depression, or attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, or a combination of all of them, please feel free to reach out to me. But make sure you go see someone that you trust and possibly a therapist if you can. Thanks. Welcome to episode 66 of a Life in Ruins podcast, where we investigate the careers of those living a life in ruins. I'm your host, Carlton Gover, and I am joined by my co-hosts, wonderful co-hosts, Connor, John, and David. Shut up. How? Tonight, we are continuing our series, Fantastic Domesticates and Where to Find Them. And today, we are setting our sights on the New World, which is North and South America. So... And I promise if you're watching the YouTube version of this, I'm not high. I just woke up from a nap with my contacts in. And this is the last time I'll be recording from this room. Actually, an office next time in a, in a new spot. And uh, yeah, so judging by that sound, David, uh, let's let's talk turkey, shall we? What, what animal is that? Take a, take a swing. That a llama? One? That is a llama. That is, all, that is a llama. I guess we're As, not talking turkey. As they would. Oh. <laughs> All right. What was? What'd you? What'd you have for me? What, well, well let's got? just go to llamas and and alpacas. Okay. What's the wild name for llamas? Because vicuñas is wild alpacas. I think it, it's just like llamas. Is alpacas and guanacos? Is a guanaco the same thing as a llama? I can't recall. Yep, guanaco. Guanaco. Yeah. The llama and the alpaca. Okay, yeah, sweet. Guanaco is found in the grasslands of the Andes. Yeah, so this is, that's the largest domesticate found in, in the North and South America, right? I mean, yeah, there's probably some big ducks out there, but I'd say the llama is the biggest. Uh, I don't know if you talk about the giant guinea pig. <laughs> I'm so startled. <laughs> I'm so startled. startled. That's a South Season Park joke. 12, episode 6 of South Park. That is such a good episode of South Park. I don't, yes. that is not right. I only have that memory for Sunny and Pokemon. Let's see. <laughs> what did I say? Season. Yeah, just do South Park uh, Peruvian flute band episode because that's what it is. <laughs> it's, it's fantastic. Go watch Hi, it. Hi, my name's Clyde. My four friends from school conned me out of my birthday money to buy Peruvian flute music. <laughs> I am now in Peru. It's just playing in the background the whole time. Oh, wait. Episode. Season 12, episode 6 is overlogging. We're actually pretty close. <laughs> but yeah, uh, that aside, uh, you have llamas and alpacas. La they domesticated llamas, or they domesticated guanaco, the ancestral llama for llama meat. And they domesticated vicuñas, ancestral 
Oh my god, season 12, episode 10. I was off by four for episodes. their fur. <laughs> <laughs> their fur. Guys, that's not okay. Well, and, and Why and can't I do times tables? <laughs> <laughs> Why can't you follow alarms or have a schedule? Oh, I, I woke up at... I, I will not legally admit what time I woke up today. My employer could be listening. 11.30. Did you work from home today? Nope. Oh. Nope. Supposed to be supposed to report for duty in the lab. <laughs> okay, back in, to... I, I came in when I came in, all right? <laughs> back to llamas. Yeah, um, so, so they... But they actually... So I was reading on online that they... So like ancestors of, of llamas, they think have actually originated from like the central plains of North America. They go on this crazy journey south about 40 million years ago and pop into South America. So that back and by the end of the last ice age, there... There, there are no camelids in North America. The, the progenitor of the llama is living in the Andes, listening to Peruvian flute music and hanging out with paleo Indians. Nice. Yeah, domesticated. Well, no, not pay. Well, the domesticated llamas and alpacas they they believe to get domesticated around seven. Way later, yeah. Yeah, forty five hundred BC. But, but they, they were there. Were, they were hunting them and hunting them and getting their yeah. wool. Yeah. Yeah. Not domesticated for their milk, which I wanted to talk to you about because you brought up they wanted milk in the old episode. So do yeah. people believe that like people were like trapping goats out in Mesopotamia and like sucking on those nips? Because well, horses were way later, like Will was saying. They were like three. <laughs> I see what you're doing now. <laughs> they were way later. So they would have realized like, wow, that thing has a lot of milk in it. So they would have like tried to milk it then. And then they were like, oh, we could we could ride okay. it because they had been milking goats and cows for centuries already. Or millennia. I don't think initially they were like, I really want to, you know, meet the Fockers, this thing over there. Meet and then the Fockers. That's a reference. I don't know if people pull. will get that. That's Who's a deep pull. Ooh, if, if you know what that reference is, please Google us at Amer- or send us an email to liferoomspodcast.gmail.com. Most of the Western Hemisphere is going to know what that reference yeah, is. Yeah, come on. I don't know. Some of our audience is young, and that's a very particular meet the Fockers reference. I got it's Robert De Niro. Fokker. Yeah. You milk yeah. me? Well, it's Ben Stiller's one that makes it. Yeah. <laughs> <No> big, <right? laughs> but yeah, so like the, it, I think we mentioned this last episode, but once you have an animal corralled for its meat and its hides, you might as well like, I think, yeah, I do remember saying this because you milk it for all it's worth while it's alive and get its milk. Pun intended. I guess the male ones, you kind of just like, you know, made pelts out of them pretty quickly. So they actually, um, they appear in some pre-Incan cultures on their uh, ceramics, actually. So you see llamas kind of popping up. Uh, I think it's the Moche people. Moche sex bots. Yeah. Not- we finally mentioned it. <laughs> we got to there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we got yeah, there. Yeah. So they, uh, they definitely show up in uh, ceramics then. And then they're, they're big in the Incan empire as well, using for, as pack animals, fiber, meat. But they can only like carry like 20 pounds and that's it. 30. It's like 30 to 40. And then if you put any more than that, they just sit down. Like they're not the best. You have to make like a long llama train. But they're also super sure footed. They're way more sure footed than horses. And they also 
really weird. Didn't you take go on like some yeah, sort Connor of high Gaylord. alpine? Yeah, you went on a high alpine archaeological expedition, uh, and you guys mm, brought llamas mm, with you. I'm a wrangler. I'm a llama wrangler official. So uh, yeah, yeah. So for my, as part of my thesis trip, and I've mentioned this before, so you normal listeners just tune out and go listen to NPR or something like that. As part of my thesis trip, I did some survey up in the winds, uh, Wind River Range in Wyoming, so north and west of Laramie on the west end of the state. And as part of that, we did not have horses to kind of carry our stuff. We decided to do llamas instead. Horses are stupid and will break your face. Hmm. Yeah, so we decided to use llamas and I got like a two-hour crash course. And then they this, this company decided to let me like take their llamas up into the wilderness apparently which is a lot of trust yeah (laughs) but they're they're super simple and super fun animals they look simple (laughs) don't they spit yeah but you have to you have to earn it oh okay yeah you have to like really piss off a llama to but they're they're super strange they're like super ambivalent like horses like will like lean into you and kind of like nuzzle you and stuff. Like when you try to pet a llama, it just stares at you like, what are you doing? Yeah. Do they purr? I think they bleat. And they're like, Is that it? <laughs> <laughs> like nothing about the llama is appealing. Like really. Right. Yeah. But archaeologically, as, as Connor mentioned, you see them in on ceramics as well as like other iconography found around South America, close to the Andes. And including, I think the Peruvian coast um, Chile, yeah. Argentinian coast the very long one that's a very long country don't you mean Chile Chile <laughs> yep Chile when the conquistadors took over the the Incan empire they co-opted the you know llama transport system because they only brought so many horses with them right yeah i mean they were coming from spain all the way up in the andes like probably drop like they had to do a build a pony situation build a pony yeah it was pizarro right who did all that nonsense down there pizarro yeah francisco and he came out of the governorship in in cuba right or was he in mexico city first because he didn't come straight from spain he was like one of those guys that came after cortez and Mm. That's over my pay grade. I just know he was messing with Atahualpa. What's the guy's name? Atahualpa. Yeah, that's a, it. Like, yeah. Huayanacapac is like the big main, like Incan, their big emperor that like did a lot, like their Alexander the Great type person. And then Atahualpa was the guy that like, they were like, hey, you got gold? And he was like fresh out. And they're like, all right, well, say goodbye to your breath. <laughs> and choked him out. And don't forget the emperor that got turned into a llama. I mean, it's really hard to not talk about llamas and not uh, talk David about Cusco. Uh, you know, what's <laughs> David Spade up to these days? Did he play Cusco? Yeah. Of course he did. Oh, Cusco. yeah. Cusco's poison. Cusco. Poison for Cusco. <laughs> squeak, 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 squeak. That's Kronk, though. Isma. <laughs> yeah, that's Kronk. That's Kronk. What, what but, are you... Uh, oh, God, yeah, that was such a... Uh, yeah, he was, just a, he was just a dickhead prince, and they turned him into a llama. Honestly, deserved it, dude. It was a, that was a solid movie. It, it was really a solid is. movie. I want to I wanna know from you, Incan, or you, from you Peruvian folks, how that, like... 
Is that an accurate representation? <laughs> Reach <laughs> out. Especially, especially the Virginian. Is Pocahontas <laughs> real? Like, come on. I'm just Actually, saying. I mean, do they? Is it normal for humans to like change into llamas when they're being terrible, terrible people? I just want to know. Yeah, I don't know. I want to know. Just, I'm having flashbacks <laughs> to like episode three with Emily when we're talking about like talking to raccoons and shit. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> when you played your flute. We, um, oh, oh my god, it's Chris and I. Up. I think it might have been Columbus Day or Indigenous People Day or uh, it was some holiday. It was Thanksgiving time. We went over to Chris's place and watched uh, Pocahontas on the projector because he'd never actually seen it. Ashley and I had, though. And we watched it and we're like, you know, enjoying it. And he's talking the whole time because he's Chris. And then he got to the colors of the wind. And we're like, Chris, shut up. All right, this is this is like the one moment of the movie you should watch. And then, like, in the middle of the song, as we're all, like, enjoying it, because it's solid, he was like, wait, isn't she, like, 14? <laughs> Just ruined it. And I was like, we, we can't watch this anymore. It's Mel Gibson hanging out with a 14-year-old. And that's Chris Rowe, who showed up in two episodes. That's who Dave oh is referring God. to, our lovely, yeah. our lovely, lovely Chris friend. Rowe. Still, He's I would take guy. him to a movie theater any day of the week. Just watching Super Troopers 2 with him in the movies was by far. <laughs> Do you remember when we saw it? <laughs> yeah, I remember you almost punched some poor girl out because she was terrified. Well, no, I didn't know she was terrified. I just heard people behind me going like... <laughs> the whole movie, and I was like, what is going on? And I just turned around and I was like, hey! Hey, shut the fuck up! <laughs> <laughs> you got you got out of your chair, hunched your arms, and just looked at this girl, and I was like, "Oh fuck, here we go." But then afterwards, like, you were like, "Dude, she was like terrified," and the boyfriend was consoling her, and I was like, "Well, she should have shut the." Up. <laughs> she just dipped out, and they didn't say a word. I'm just sitting there, and I'm like, "Oh my god!" Trying to enjoy my forty dollar movie, dude. Oh my god, <laughs> such a good time. Anyway, I was gonna say, according to uh, back to llamas, I was just reading here. It's uh, Montesino, 2015. In uh, Aymara mythology, uh, llamas are important, you know, creatures. So there are a lot of mythology, and uh, a heavenly llama is said to drink water from the ocean, and it urinates as it rains. So it makes it makes discuss. it rain. Yes, he, he does make it rain. The llama uh, golden showers the Andes. Rain makes corn. Corn makes, uh, what is and, that? Indian called? makes potatoes. No, no. What is that? What is you That's chicha. Rain <laughs> makes corn. Corn makes chicha. <laughs> chicha makes the Andes get a little frisky. <laughs> and we got spit canceled beer. in South America. Just spit beer. Just imagine <laughs> chewing on corn and spitting into a, 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 and then drinking it for, to get fucked up. Fucked up. <laughs> Yeah, let's not this do that is, anymore. We're, yeah. Oh, God. Should we talk about... So, we talked about, you know, llama... Where, where, where we at? I say we should oh. do guinea pigs while we're while we're in the high... Okay. The high Andes. Guinea pigs. Uh, bred for food, I believe, right? And status items. Mm-hmm. So there are, of course, rodents. You can think of guinea pigs today. They are also domesticated in the Andes Mountains. Around 5,000 BC, so a little bit later than... The llama and alpaca. No, earlier than the llama. Yeah. Sorry. It's about 500 years earlier, give or take a couple Fridays, than the llamas and alpacas. And yeah, you can domesticate. Like, you wouldn't think you can domesticate. Why? Like, why would you use them for meat? But they reproduce so quickly that you can just have these little guinea pig colonies. And like today, they still eat them down in South America. You just fry up the whole. It's called cooey, just the whole thing. Throw it on a barbecue and it just 
singes the hair right off. Maybe some paprika on there. Would you Sounds eat it? Pretty good. Honestly, I would try it. If I ever went down there, I'd try it. Mm. I don't know. How do you, I guess, like, I'm trying to think how you'd really see those visibly in the archaeological record. Like, I guess. Teeth. So they're actually, I'm looking at it right now. They're found in uh, human burials. So I think it's. Uh, what do I know? Yeah. So they're found with, with humans. I think they're just bones or. Interesting. So they were yeah, status type things or. Yeah, I think so. Right. Along with uh, the Muscovy ducks or. So, huh? Yeah, oh, 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 and the ducks are around. I don't know what a Muscovy duck looks like. And they're domesticated around AD 100, just generally in South America. Mm-hmm. They were kept inside houses, apparently. Really? Yeah, they're really pretty ducks. Like Those if you look at them, we're not sleeping. Oh my god! Actually, just kidding. That's a Drake Mandarin duck. I don't know why I click on this, and it gives me the wrong kind of duck. I live next to ducks, and it's like a constant, just like the noise that David was making. Just shoot them. Do you have a shotgun? <laughs> they taste good. Like ducks is good. Shoot my my domesticated neighbor's flock of ducks. Do you oh, think dude, they're domesticated even better. I mean, just take why? Why? We're talking about There's domestication. A type of duck that humans drove to extinction here with dogs. I forget which one it is, but it's like confirmed that that that's one mega, not megaphone, but like oh, we're we talking about giant ducks <laughs> that we definitely drove to extinction, and they were like, "Yeah, that's our bad." Oh my god, there has uh, to be a giant duck that lived. Uh, check Australia. With- they, I mean, just you know, look, look go to the back <laughs> of the book. It's there probably. Oh, there's a giant rubber giant rubber ducky. There's a giant duck on Long Island. It's called the Big Duck, and I think <laughs> David Tell went there on, on uh, Insomniac. Deep pull, I know. Sorry, guys. <laughs> yeah. And then, like, I, I mean, just dialing back real quick, like we can see alpaca domestication one through a lot of the textiles that the Andes cultures were producing, and since they are in dry environments, especially that high up, it's easy to see textiles, and so we see a lot of alpaca fur being used, especially in. Um, Kipus, which for those that aren't aware, the Incan record-keeping system wasn't written. It was done in a series of elaborate knots on different lengths, colors, sizes of strings, and in certain patterns. Like it's it's crazy. It's like an um, abacus, right? Yeah, yeah, and it's yeah, not like a more complex, math, yeah, more it's complex like, version. It's crazy, and I don't think there's anything else like that that we see in the world but i might be wrong but highly recommend looking up how the kipu system was made hmm. i'm starting to for uh well, well like, let's touch it, on we're, we're right here at the break let's, let's tie let's, the knot on this segment god uh, i mean it's good it's good it's yeah. just like <laughs> yep this is episode wanna, 66 we'll be right do back do i want to keep hosting the show no <laughs> all right so i've been uh hanging out down under and i've learned myself some didgeridoo music Got ourselves a dingo here, right? And then you also have yourself, oh, uh, <laughs> then you also have yourselves uh, the kookaburra, and you go. It's terrible, mate. Keep Are you going. sure that wasn't just barking dog? Now, were dingoes or kookaburras domesticated? Thing, <laughs> <laughs> Are any of these relevant? Um, nope, this all, is episode 66, by the way, of A Life in Ruins. Because the um, guy in the video was like, all right, he's the kookaburra. And I was like, that was just the dingo. You didn't do anything different except make it faster. But I guess that's what it is. 
Yeah. Okay. Episode 66. We're doing things, I think. We are. I mean, do we ever do things on this podcast? (laughs) Except just upset people. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. Another key place where animals were domesticated is Central America and specifically Mexico. And we have a couple cool things that come out of that area in particular. Now, of course... It's widely held belief. I think uh, A.R. Perry, Angela's, Dr. Perry's article, the recent one on the uh, dog genomics in Nature, yeah. suge- highly suggests that indigenous peoples who migrated into the Americas came with dogs. Um, so they already have dogs here. And so that's just kind of a given. We talked about that in the first part of this series and talked uh, somewhat about it last time. I'm trying um, to find the name of the article. I forgot. It's, I think it's in the the references for the first, for the dogs one. I didn't. I didn't put it in there. It's um. Oh. I put the book. That no, she's but in. she put Dianetics by friggin' L. <laughs> Ron Hubbard. Have, like, yeah, David, I'll get the notes. show notes. And if you put me in charge of the show notes, you're gonna have to go check it again, mostly for spelling errors, but also to make sure I didn't put any Scientology in there because I. I'm a full-blown science. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, turkeys, turkeys get domesticated in uh, Mexico around 100, 100 BC and, to uh, 180. And the Southwest too. Well, that's part of that whole region. Mm, so yeah, like northern. Just, so, just, there's five kinds of turkeys apparently. Yeah, it's like the the ones in the Southwest are different, but the. The ones from Mexico are the ones that like roam the states. Yeah. yeah. But there's five kinds. If you get all five, it's called doing the Grand Slam. The turkeys in the Rocky Mountains are, are they're, they're only, I think they're the only migratory ones. Um, that's why it's hard to find them. Unlike if you're in where I'm from in Virginia, as long as you know they're in a cornfield, they're going to be there. They just have eyes like velociraptors, but totally going on a tangent. I mean, they are. Yeah. They're little, little velociraptors. And chickens are t- little T-Rexes. Indeed, that's the thing. It freaks me out because, like, if you if you watch chickens and turkeys walk around or just little birds, that's like imagine a T Rex walk with its little head bobbing like that. It's terrifying. I don't want that. One hundred percent terrifying. So, I mean, turkeys have multitude of uses. I mean, you have meat, eggs. Also, their feathers are really good for otlatl darts, and I think specifically, I'd, I'd have to ask Devin on this either. You get two kinds of feathers. You get the wing feathers and tail feathers. One's better for arrows and one's better for otlatl darts. So one's, from the one's same better animal. for shaking too. Yep, shimmying. Shake, yeah. shake your tail feather. Oh my god! Thank you, <laughs> Carlton. Do you remember? I'm sorry. The uh, conversation we had about the feather I found in my backyard. Uh, vaguely, you'll have to remind me. <laughs> I sent Carlton a picture of a feather and I was like, what kind of bird is this? Because you know, I just assumed Carlton knows birds. And <laughs> it's like, it's definitely a turkey. And I was like, but I have like six foot high fences and there's no wild turkeys here. Like, how am I going <laughs> to... Ended up being a barred owl. Came from the tree above my house. But I was just funny. Like, imagine like, some flying turkey in my neighborhood. It's just like dropping feathers. So sorry, Carlton. Um, you were You were talking about different types of feathers. The I mean, that was about it. One's okay. either you, they're, they're, you can either make from one turkey, you can make arrow, arrow fletchings or outlaw fletchings. Yeah. And also, I think feathers in general were used if you overlap feather, like, okay, turkey feathers in particular, if you overlap them on a shield, that thing can deflect projectile points. Anyone that 
hunts turkeys know even with a shotgun if you don't shoot them in their little bald necks you will not kill them and that your shotgun pellets will bounce off because they're so thick which is why you got to shoot them in the head with some bird shot and just hope you just turn that into swiss cheese i uh was listening to the bear grease podcast with uh, clay newcomb and they had like a bunch of uh like champion bird collars on there or like turkey collars and it's like impressive how like well people can like mimic that call and apparently that's how you hunt them you just like call and they're like what's up (laughs) and you just blast them (laughs) yeah there's there's two ways to do it one like early in the morning they're really girl (laughs) they're really responsive to being startled so you'll on it so in the morning you'll hear someone use like a, a loud crow call and that will get them to gobble so you can find out where they are. Yeah, that's what they were saying. Yeah, it's a crow yeah. call first. Yeah. Yeah, just so they're... And then you're like, okay, they're in that tree. You wait for them to come down. And yeah, you want to call them to you because their eyesight's so good, you can't stalk them. You just basically have to sit there in full camouflage, like it's usually netting over your eyes. Yeah. And you are your shotgun's already ready to go. And even like when I hunt turkeys, I don't even raise my other hand to it. I rest my shotgun on my knee and just kind of swing it where I need to go because they're very perceptive little bastards. Huh. You wouldn't think that because they're giant, clumsy. I mean, they're not clumsy, but they're just like mm. big looking animals. Yeah. Wild ones aren't that big. You know, like the yeah. butterball turkeys aren't aren't <laughs> all that. Yeah. There's a lot of GMOs in there. Oh, my God. I can, all right, I'm not going to tell another story, but. Um, no, tell it. We have we have time. I was in Laramie. Uh, was it last June? Staying at an Airbnb, and they were like, the guy advertised that there were eggs in the morning, and he would like put eggs on the door. And I was like, all right. And I hear like some bird calling, and I like was like, oh man, I forgot. Yeah, you said there's chickens. And then like as I kept walking, this like giant turkey t- rounds the corner, and he's like, it's a turkey. <laughs> oh. <laughs> he thinks I'm some city boy idiot. But then I opened up the cattle gate before he got to it and I proved to him, you know, at least in my head <laughs> that I wasn't some city boy because Danny uh, Walker called that the Wyoming IQ test. Yeah. You gotta know how to open a cattle gate. <laughs> we couldn't even open at at Connor's at Connor's uh wedding. Me and you couldn't figure out the bear proof trash cans. <laughs> <laughs> And Connor's dad was like, don't you have two degrees? And the entire wedding's just watching me struggle to open up a bear. And I, and I was trying to help you. And he was making fun of me. He's like, aren't you getting a PhD? And there's just me and David there with like combined 12 years of schooling or like pawing out a f- trash can like Yogi Bear. Like, oh, I can't throw away my. It was. Yeah, it was. And he just walks over and does it for us. And I was like, Dean John. And God bless that man. He's a good guy. Yeah. Really bad taste. We weren't even drunk. We were 100% sober. (laughs) Yeah. So turkeys, like that's the wild turkeys. What? How do you like? What? What's like a domestic turkey? Like, what's the? How's that work? I I believe they're just turkey farms. Yes, and then they 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 were first domesticated in the basin of Mexico, and you also find them in the Southwest. You find turkey kennels, I believe, in Mesa Verde, Chaco Canyon, and those places are later, around you know after a thousand A.D. And so turkeys have been domesticated right around the turn of, what is that called when you go from B.C. to A.D. the, the turn of the millennia or Jesus. <laughs> The yeah. common era. <laughs> the common yeah, you get into the big common turn. era. And so you see them pretty pretty much without the southwestern world in the valley in the basin of Mexico. And on Age of Empires, 
two, the conquer the conquistador expansion, you can domesticate turkeys along with sheep. Yeah, it's a fun time. So they- I just realized why. I can't do math. Never mind. All right. So yeah, and they're found. They're really found through the the eggshells and the and the bones, or what the hell you find them archaeologically. Huh. And there's been some quite a few studies that I've that I see on this document that tells me everything, comparing different sizes and different varieties. And it appears that it's it's not it's a pretty complex kind of domestication. You know, I think it occurs and. Yeah, and in, in, in the Mexican basin, like uh, Carlton was saying, then there's different varieties that pop up in the southwest. They think there's three varieties of turkeys they've found at Casas Grandes, eighty two fifty. I mean, that's they they did some they did some damage up there. Were they originally bred for like cockfighting, like the chicken, or were they just straight up bred for the meat? Do we have any info on that? Probably the meat. That's what I would think too, because I always thought it was the chickens, like for the meat and the eggs. But apparently, it was cockfighting first, and then they were like, "Oh wait, these things just pump out eggs." Wait, really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I did not know that. They're like they come from Southeast Asia with a jungle fowl, and they were like, "These things hate each other <laughs> when you put them in a shoebox together." <laughs> let's just let's make some really good ones, and people would meet up and like have them fight, and then they were like. I guess like the the hens or whatever in the things where they were breeding them were just popping out eggs and they'd eat them and they're like, all right, this is better. Sweet. Also, the stingless bee is domesticated in Mexico a little bit before turkeys. And I, honey, I don't think. Hmm. Look at them. They had the forethought to save the bee population back then. Be like the ancient Mexicans. Be like the ancient Mexicans. Boo. I'm just um, no, so they, I guess they found it in the, the copper lights of, of folks living there. Bees? Like, or like pollen associated oh. with bees. Hmm. Um, but so they, I don't think they found any sort of direct evidence that they've been kept in hives or something like that. Uh, but they're at least procuring it in some sort of fashion. So the bees are coming out of the jungles and particularly related to pre-classic Mayans. Hmm. I wonder if they made mead. It's in the, the bees are in the codex, the Madrid codex, which is named after. Yeah. Well, they're making Chumash for sure. Not Chumash. What is that stuff called? And the Mendoza Aztec Mendoza codexes show images of towns giving jars of honey to the Aztecs for tribute. Hmm. Um, I didn't know that. There's some, so apparently this is, I'm reading from uh, uh, an early article. Uh, It was domesticated. This bee was, domesticated by cutting a two to three foot section of hollow log, drilling a flight hole, and then stopping the ends with plugs made of clay or stones mixed with clay that could be removed to collect the wax and honey to propagate the hives. So they're just trapping them in their existing kind of areas. God, that's got to be a crappy job without sort of any sort of protection. But they're the stingless bee. Oh, they're stingless? Yeah, the stingless bee in particular. Or do they breed that into them? I have no idea that like mm. there's I think there's already like over 50 species of of bees in Colorado alone. Huh. So I can imagine that there is a naturally stingless bee. Interesting. Um, let me correct myself too. Chumash is a uh, indigenous tribe in Southern California. I know that's why that name was in my head. Chicha is the uh, Incan drink like, like spit beer. Like, yeah, that's what I was thinking of. But Chumash, because they chew it and spit it out, I think it was what I was confusing myself <laughs> with in my head. <laughs> Excellent. And what else is domesticated around here? Um, oh, possibly macaws. 
Oh, right, right. Yeah, and you get the macaw feathers everywhere. It's kind of like sometime before 1000 AD, you find macaw cages. There's some in Chaco Canyon, and they're all male macaws based on the genetic evidence, which male, I believe the male macaws, they're the pretty birds with all the colors. Yeah, that would make sense. I think. And so what you have is someone trading in Chaco. They have like, I guess, a macaw market. And they're trying to just keep the males up there. So that way, if someone can't run away with a male and a female and create their own. And the feathers are also, you see them in codices. They're highly prized. Like they are a very pretty feather. Right. And so it's just one of those, those trade goods that are used in decoration. They're, I mean, that's specifically what the macaws are possibly domesticated for. They're clearly being trapped and moved around Mm -hmm. because macaws aren't native to Northern New Mexico. Right, but they they find the feathers there. They're finding the feathers in the cages yeah. and the fecal matter. Polly wants some chicha or something. Oh, Polly wants some chicha. Um, well, I guess we can. Speaking of chicha, Polly wants some plant matter. There's the coca, which I wouldn't say is like domesticated, but then there's like cocoa or cacao, and then coca. I mean, there's like a host yeah. of domesticated plants that we can yeah. go into. Peanuts and that like. Yeah. Uh, they were going off. Sweet potato, which, uh, you know, then ended up in. We need, a dedic- we need to find someone that knows that because I want to talk about that. David sent us. You would, how did you get on that rabbit hole? What rabbit hole? The whole sweet potato thing in Polynesia. One of the uh, arts I have for the book is um, the Polynesia thing. I had our Tori make. So then I was like, I should probably learn about Polynesia. And I spent an entire weekend like hyper focusing on learning everything about but not like i don't mean to say like a little bit i like stayed up for three days like reading everything <laughs> about about the pacific islanders and i was like whoa this is fascinating and i like didn't want to believe that the they got to south america to get the sweet potato to bring it back to like new zealand and all over but they did it's pretty crazy didn't know that hmm. yeah do you guys want to talk about the Colombian exchange and the effect of Columbus and of undomestic? Pretty stoked on Columbus back then. Yeah, he's a great guy because he did nothing mm. wrong. Mm. Yeah, nothing wrong. Absolutely nothing. Hashtag free Columbus. So I mean, we could talk about because I think there's a lot of these <laughs> animals that <laughs> that uh, we think are uh, domesticates from here, but are actually just the product of. Columbus bringing over and ruining North America. Isn't there uh, a shift to rename the Columbian Exchange to something like less glamorous? I just pre and post contact, I would think, but that's also kind of ethnocentric oh, in itself. That's yeah. not the Atlantic Safe Trade. <laughs> that's, Ooh, that's, 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 one, a, that's one letter off from the bad one. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a different one. There's got to be a better way. <laughs> better. Right. Minks are from? Okay. That makes sense. Turkeys. Hold on one second. Muscovy ducks. Yeah, I'm looking at it now. Go ahead, Connor. Okay. So, I mean, we can talk about horses. We didn't really talk about them much, I don't think, in the first one. So, horses are not from here originally. There was a precursor to the horse that lived in North America, what, like 10K? Yeah. Yeah, no horses are from the New World. They go over the bridge 
right. then the ones that stayed here died. And mm-hmm. then, yeah. But the and ones, all the ancestors of the ones we know today come from Europe. España. 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 Primarily. Most horses, I guess. I think uh, Will Taylor's doing that whole genetics research, trying to figure those out, like specifically where do wild Mustangs predominantly come from. Mm. I think, have you guys ever been to uh, North Carolina? Nags yeah. Head, Myrtle Beach, not Myrtle Beach, oh, Corolla. But they have wild horses out there, and I'm pretty sure those are... Oh, yeah, there's like ponies on those little islands. And it's yeah. because someone crashed there and all the ponies got out, and I don't think they're Spanish. I think that's uh, English. We'll put that thought into a corral um, and catch it in the next segment. Excellent. <laughs> oh my God. Connor, Episode 66 of a Life and Ruins podcast. We will catch you in the third segment. All right. Welcome back. You're here with the Three Stooges again of archaeology. Nope. So we're here with uh, Columbian Exchange, which according to Wikipedia is the widespread transfer of plants, animals, culture, human populations, technology, diseases, and ideas between the Americas and the old world in the 15th and 16th centuries. Named after Christopher Columbus and is related to European colonization, clearly. And so keeping it with animals, there was a lot more animals that came to the Americas than went to Europe. So pretty much. Does it say the transfer of human populations? Yeah. Is there an asterisk on that? Uh, American Indians were used as slaves and brought to Europe. Okay. They were the first ones. Say like, you should just say human trafficking. (laughs) It's like what (laughs) I meant to say. And I really, that's like in terms of like the social zeitgeist of what's going on in terms of this call to rename a lot of stuff, like, you know. Slave trade is human trafficking. Right, let's call a spade a spade. They're putting yeah. people on cargo <laughs> ships, shipping them off to Timbuktu. Or no, from Timbuktu. Timbuktu, yeah. To <laughs> the sugar plantations. And they were like, all right, see you guys. Oh, my well, God. No, not yeah. really see you guys. They were right there with them, yelling at them. Uh, yeah, anyway, charming note. Let's, um, where were we getting at? So old world to new world, all the things that we talked about. Pretty much for coming to the uh, to the U.S. Oh right, yeah. Like, can you imagine like the South without wild hogs? Like, it's just not a thing. Or the West without in a Huey helicopter with a <laughs> minigun. Just Did you just call him Ted Nugent? Nugent, like the, like the f- chocolate. <laughs> I always thought Ted Nugent was the guy from Happy like Smashing Pumpkins over <laughs> chocolate covered mountaintops. <laughs> With waterfalls of caramel. Uh, Prancing Nougat in the meadow <laughs> sings a song of satisfaction to oh, really the world. Isn't there a guitar player named like Ted Ted Nugent? The yeah. world. Yeah, he's the one crazy dude. Hates liberals, Nugent. but also pissed himself to avoid oh, Vietnam. Oh, that's the same guy. Yeah, same yeah. dude. Oh. Stranglehold. Stranglehold's his big song. Got gotcha. you in a stranglehold, baby. Billy That's... Corgan is the the Smashing Pumpkins guy, so never mind. He looks just yeah. like Bill Burr. Does oh, he Bill. really? Bill Burr. Yeah, look him up. <laughs> <laughs> I love how when we were watching uh, The Mandalorian, the Mandalorian. Together, and there's Bill Burr, and you're just like, man, he just plays like a blue-collar Boston guy no matter what role he's in. <laughs> every, every role he's in, he's just like, I'm in the scrapyard <laughs> just a blue collar guy i don't understand can you wear your mando helmet but you can wear a stone trooper helmet i just don't get it he did a good job in that he was so good yeah, he did awesome god yeah. i really like bill burr really uh, like bill speaking burr. of goats mando's the goat 
Greatest of all nope. time. Is Dave Chappelle. I was, yeah, okay. No, you're right. You're right. So on that same note, no, no wild boar, no Ted Nougat down there oh, right. shooting, from his, yeah. shooting from his helicopter. Uh, could you imagine the West without cattle? Yeah, it's weird, right? Yeah, I can. It'd be great. <laughs> like, they took everything from me. Yes, I can. Back yeah, in the when the buffalo roam free and there was not a spotted cow to see. Like yeah. even Tennessee or like New York when I was a kid going upstate to visit my like, you know, dad's family, like there's just dairy farms everywhere. My dad's a dairy farmer. Really? Grew up that way. Yeah, it's what he grew up as. You have an uncle who does that as well. And uh yeah, they just um there's just cows everywhere. That's yep. like what I thought. And that's yeah. just not a thing. They're like a Middle Eastern giant animal and they're like just chilling in Rochester, like, <laughs> just like not natural. Oh, oh God. Could you imagine being on a ship across the Atlantic oh, with God. like 500 cows? Here's the, here's the other thing to imagine. Imagine you couldn't afford the ticket. So you had to hide in a bit. Sorry, I'm doing the Tim Dillon thing hanging down from the bottom. But, uh, like you couldn't, you couldn't afford it, so you hid in the hay in the cow stall to get yourself to the new world. You're like, oh, I'm ready for a new life. As soon as I spend six months <laughs> hanging out in this hay, the cow shit, <laughs> it's probably it happened for sure. That'd do be they awful. have to? Do they have to do like a mound in the center, like they do in fields, so they didn't like choke on their own oh. gas? Oh, I have no, no idea. I mean, they didn't take that much cattle. I think it was like a couple it, head. It's pretty bad when I know more about how they shipped people in ships <laughs> than how they shipped cows, dude. Like, yeah. I don't know. They should teach something different in school. Because they're in the they're in the hold at the bottom. So even if you're a sailor and trying to sleep, they're all below you. You can just smell it. I guess like after a while, you just get nose deaf. Nose blind. Sleep. Smell blind. Yeah, that's true. I th- but everybody back then, dude, everybody back then smelled like BO and campfire. Well, so and like, this, I guess at a this... certain point, you're just, that's just what you smelled like. Well, they also <laughs> brought ostriches. Like, could you imagine being on that ship where you have those noodle neck velociraptors below you? <laughs> There's a lady on TikTok that like hangs out with this ostrich and it's always trying to attack her and she's like oh my god i've seen that throat. yeah she's like, like no <laughs> yeah it's like there's a free- don't they have like huge like talons yeah there's like yeah, a dude. utah raptor coming at you like, <laughs> go away like get this off my feed uh anyway yeah so there's animals that are from the old world that are brought here so cats cats have decimated wildlife populations here oh, just because people god, yeah. let them out i'm guilty myself john snow had a kill count of like over two thousand. um that strider. cat dude <laughs> Str- what strider gets an assist in one of those uh, oh yeah i forgot strider has never caught anything but he only ever caught animals that john snow dropped <laughs> and he was like oh nice i got myself a, a bird <laughs> strider carried around all happy and i was like you didn't get that uh, but yeah, he would just hide out in a bush uh, at my parents' house and just like stick his little claw out and bring in like a bird or a mouse or a whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Laramie, he would just roam the neighborhood. I saw I was walking Strider at the park. Was it Labonte, the one yeah. that's with the lake in the middle? Mm-hmm. Just walking Strider there, and then John Snow just comes out of a bush and he's like, Prow! <laughs> "Oh, hey man, <laughs> just my cat casually at the park with." Me. Um, but right, so the point is that like cats are just so efficient at murdering that they um, and I use murdering correctly because like sometimes they don't even eat the animal; they just kill it, and like they destroy birds and rabbits and other small animals in the in the like reptiles too. Here and have like decimated 
you know, ecosystems with that. So bringing animals here is not great. Well, yeah. especially if you talk about like cattle and ecosystem destruction and sheep and yeah. goats and all that stuff. I mean, the, the destruction that they have on, on, on landscapes is just, it's, it's horrible. Yeah. Another crazy thing though, too, is like we were talking about horses that are, you know, they're indigenous to here uh, or were at some point and then they died and came back. But like they are meant for this landscape. Cattle are not like bison are, but like our ox cattle are not. So like they chew the grass, like bite it, like the, they shave the grass essentially and bite the top, whereas horses uproot it, mm-hmm. the whole thing. So like one completely alters the environment differently than the other. So like with cows, it's just like, and then there's all this, like, do we keep the BLM horses? And they like take helicopters and shoot them. And it's like, well, it's kind of like where they're from, but we also brought them and let them go. It's tough. That's interesting, especially because they're like, you have feral and wild. They basically just, like you were saying, are, are bred or grew up in this environment. It's like, do so well that they can go back to being wild and not just die mm-hmm. immediately. Like if you put a cow by itself out there, it's going to die. Mm-hmm. And doing so hot pigs out, nope. they can go well, but yeah, there's like, pigs I think there, there's five wild uh, Mustang herds in Colorado managed by the BLM and the Western slope. And it's, it's just always a problem. You can, the BLM will pay you to take one. I mean, it's a thousand bucks, which goes up real quick. But they're so desperate to manage those herds because they proliferate because they don't have, you know, even though they're they evolved here, 10,000 years is a long time to not have them. And especially right. with one of their main predators being wolves, you know, still not here to eat them. crawling back from extinction, you know, bears aren't that quick and mountain lions, they're not really, you know, yeah, it's it's hard. So. Yeah. They have no natural thing to kind of keep those population in check. And we can, we're not allowed to eat horses. So, I mean, it's not like something we can do. Yeah. And like there were dire wolves and saber tooths like back then, like calling yeah, populations. And now there's just not. Paleo well, Indians. Cause I think the, uh, the Mahaffey, yeah, the Mahaffey cache here that you guys saw that had both camel and horse DNA on, on some of those, um, mm. knives. Interesting. Is that, that. is that the blood serum stuff? The what? Is it like Fight. blood blood serum? I analysis? have no clue. Okay. I, it's okay. it's just on the exhibit. I that's okay. a dug question. I have no idea how he figured that out. <laughs> okay. Um, what else gets brought here? Goats, uh, sheep. I mean, there's bighorn sheep here, but like domestic sheep get brought here too. And there's like vast amounts of sheep. Like I remember driving to is it Jody's wedding down on the western? It's like down towards where you live mm-hmm. or lived. Driving down the western slope and uh, uh, the person that I was in the car with, I had to wake them up and be like, hey, look, look. And like looked over at this cliff and I thought it was like an avalanche because I'm from like out east. But what I saw was 500 sheep coming down like a mountainside just casually like at a 90 degree angle. And I was like, whoa, that's crazy. And they just like... I assume alter the landscape and like do well, I mean, people then too, you got to fence them in and then all that. Well, like, and like you were saying, they, they, those are ones, the same, uh, one of the ones that take out the whole route, everything. Yeah. Yeah. So they completely destroy whatever's existing. And there. mountain goats, mountain sheep and bighorn sheep never domesticated. Those are all new world species and by the time the post the Columbian exchange had ended, European settlers really hadn't seen those quite yet. 
because they're on the west side of the Mississippi. So those aren't ancestors of like European sheep or goats. Those are specifically, yeah, the right. new world things. I met some guys- dude when I was visiting the Denwoody Rock Art when he found out he was an archaeologist. He's like, did you know that they used to paint bighorn sheep butts red? And that's where all the red paint on the walls comes from. And I was just like, I think I mentioned this before. And I, I, I was just like... Did, what did you just tell me? Talk about bab- baboons? Like, what are, what are I was about? so confused. I was like, they ne- they were never domesticated, man. It was it was uh, weird. Here's a question. Uh, I guess Char- Connor, were you about to ask the same thing? I was going to ask about early sheep herders in, um, in North America. If you guys know anything about them, like early Basque sheep herders out. Oh yeah, dude! I West. saw a Longmire episode about this, and that got me interested in the Basque uh, sheep herding. What were you going to ask about? I was going to say, and we don't have to get into it now, but like if I don't think there was a big complex civilization in the Rockies, like out West, I guess Chaco and Southern Colorado are like the closest, but like, had there been like a civilization up there, like in the Middle East, do you think they would have domesticated uh, bighorn sheep and goats and stuff? You might, you might be able to get the ewes to, but the males are so... It might like aggressive. Yeah, they might not be able to be like around humans. But so were wolves. I mean, honestly, I could see it because you find all those corral sites and drive sites. Yeah. Hashtag Kelton Meyer. It would just take one guy to be like, what if <laughs> we didn't kill them immediately? <laughs> all right, let's go with Kyle's plan. <laughs> uh, Connor, what were you going to So the, the herders. So there's like a, and Carlton, you might have delved more into this, but there's this really interesting early history in like the 18, 17, 1800s of Basques, Basque people from Spain coming to the New World and having big sheep herds and roaming across the landscapes in Wyoming, Colorado, I think probably Nebraska, all these kind of areas. Primarily mountainous areas. So this is like... 19th century, mid to late 19th century, the Basque are coming in. Basque, the Basque region is the saddle between Spain and France. They now today primarily wield RPGs and want independence as it goes. Very interesting people, very amazing culture. They come to the West and they just kind of get on this whole sheep herding thing, which is what they did in Basque country and these highlands, and they just recreate it. And there's these pockets of Basque populations and the big ones in, in the mountain West. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially yeah. in Wyoming. That's this little, they're like, not like the Amish, but like kind of that same sense of community and right. homogeneity between keeping it Basque. And uh, yeah, it's a fascinating subculture. And then um, of course uh, the Diné, the Navajo, adopt massive sheep herding post reservation era. Mm. And that's a big source of their income. Well that, and then they realize that they're sitting on a lot of uranium. That'll do it. (laughs) But uh, uh, you also see like evidence, uh, lots of these Basque artifacts in Wyoming in in the form of carvings and other, uh, what is stacked rocks features? I can't even remember what they're called right now. Cairns. Yeah. Cairns, stuff like that. Dude, you know, it's it's Karn. Karen has been commandeered. Why? I don't want to call a rock formation a Karen. Someone who has a meltdown in the Costco for not wearing a mask. <laughs> oh, okay. good. That was yeah. good. I like that. Karen, Karen. Yep. Sweet. Yeah. Um, uh, yesterday for work, we went to a excavation going on in Golden in an old hotel. There was a little haunted. Uh, a mid archaic point came out of an 1800s trash pit. 
the dude pulled it out and was like, Fuck, and then looked <laughs> at it and then, and then showed it to the PI and she's like, holy shit. And then she showed it to me and I was like, God damn. And it's beautiful. And we're just kind of sitting there like, why is this here? Like it's one of those big, big yeah. suckers with um, basal convex bases and side notched corner notched. Well, I mean, go back to our first episode with Spencer. I think I asked him that question, like, why do you think people like this stuff? And he's like, they just do. So people back then were just like, this arrowhead is awesome. And just collected it and ended up in their trash bin. Also Um, a Chinese uh, coin. It's fun. Sorry. I I totally got derailed, but thinking about historic Basque things, it was like that, that's something. Yeah. A couple thousand years old, then found in a, where, where Coors makes its, water beer yeah according to dave the caveman <laughs> um, yeah. see Coors is my like it's a spot it's the drink i have in my house if i'm like hey you want a beer like it's just i have them on hand i also still have the yingling from when you were here connor i just don't drink beer <laughs> uh it's a full case of it. it takes up a lot it takes up a whole shelf of my fridge america's just, oldest um, brewery tastes like yeah. it too i go everywhere i go i have to i have to like sample the load the local beer so i'm up here in in, in washington and olympia is the the I beer in olympia and uh, rainier so you just gotta go i do like rainier only Rainier's because not of longmire yeah. longmire i got rainier because of longmire yeah and linglings out in the or ling yinglings whatever it is Ying-dings. <laughs> ringings I, I was gonna bring up like with the with the beer comment like wheat gets brought here too like we didn't have or i mean we carlton didn't have wheat here um <laughs> I did before not the colombian yet. exchange Ooh, and like that like we have like amber ways of grain and like that one song it's like we're known for having like a giant bread basket here can and i like, say something i went to a mormon service the other day uh oh. for reasons they started off the service with the national anthem like in the yeah. hymn book are like patriotic songs uh, I mean, there it's an American religion. It's uh, and every Mormon I've ever met has been a delightful person. One hundred percent. I just thought maybe that just stood out on America. That's that's, that's interesting. Stood out. Where I was like, huh, coming from Roman Catholic, that's just not something we 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 bring I mean, out. Growing up around Catholics, when I would go to little services like them, they're like, "You're all going to hell. Please put <laughs> money in the thing." Hey, how are you today? We're gonna have Holy Communion for Michael. <laughs> it's just like way different. That was a derailment. All right. Um, on that beautiful derailment, I think that is a good teaser talking about crops and plants. I think that'll probably be the episode or next next domesticates, fantastic domesticates and where to find them. Um, yeah, so if you thought this was boring, out. wait till we get into the plants. I think this one was fun. I didn't fall asleep. I only used my phone once, twice, maybe three times. Uh, here's the thing, though. I'm going to leave this for the for the for the audience here. I had a thought and it completely disappeared. Uh, it was something about the potato. Uh, the sweet, yeah, the sweet, sweet. We're gonna potato. talk about how an Incan tuber from the Andes ruined Ireland. <laughs> Top of the morning to you. All right, peace out. I thought it was the British that ruined Ireland, but yeah. Um, so please rate and review the podcast. It really means we need, we need, we need reviews. And Wait, is saying "Top of the morning to you" will that get me canceled in thirty minutes? Yeah, I don't think yeah. so, David. I think it's totally fine. Um, <laughs> it should be okay. Yeah, uh, Where's uh, Tristan we- Boyle when we need him? <laughs> Hi, guys. It's Tristan here, part of the APN, kind of in charge of the APN, you'd say. I do listen to these. 
you know, it's not like they go under the radar. And the increasing anti-Irish sentiment on these podcasts have been flagged to my attention. And that's why I'm giving you one last chance. I'm warning you. I don't want any more paddy whackery. Uh, right. merch, merch store. Go yeah, buy do, merch. Do the, do the merch thing, guys. Come on. Like, hit our link tree. Get some merch. You know? Check out like, our OnlyFans. Check out our yes, OnlyFans. Go to our link tree. Find our OnlyFans. Uh, um, it exists. There's a link for it. There is a link to our OnlyFans. Um, and then, you know, give us a rate and review our podcast uh, if you hate us, if you don't hate us, just eat, tell us, you know, like I hate the sound of Connor's voice. And that's that, if that's your whole review. Great. It's still we need it for the algorithm. And you're like, I hate all Jews like David will give that a thumbs up and I'll be like, great. It's feedback, you know, so like just just do it. Um, that or you can say nice things. Uh, how'd you find the podcast? Uh, maybe you listen to it in class or have your students like just let us know what you and your friends think about the podcast. If you have any recommendations for guests or shows, please let us know. If you want to be on, email us with your CV. We have a whole list of people and trying to sort out our schedule. Um, and yeah, get some sweet, sweet Life and Roots merch. That's the only way we make anything money, really. But, yeah. you know, rep the swag. And if you have fan art or ideas for merch, send them to us and we'll work out a deal. Yeah. I'd like to qualify that by saying that I don't agree with the statement in which I would thumbs up, but I would thumbs up it because it's your opinion and it's feedback. Uh, <laughs> I should have said that. Yes. Carlton's right. Get the merch. Do all the things. Uh, <laughs> and we are 66. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to a Life in Ruins podcast. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at a Life in Ruins podcast. And you can also email us at a Life in Ruins podcast at gmail.com. And remember, make sure to bring your archaeologists in from the cold and feed them beer. So I wanted to give a shout out to uh, Wesley Marak, who gave us the joke last week. I didn't say that. Thank you for sending it in. Um, and this week, it's coming from the one and only... Caleb. Welch. Oh my God. I talked to Shane Miller about him today. <laughs> we love yeah. you, Caleb. We love Caleb. So, how much does it cost to put a roof on a house? Uh, a shingle and a dime? I don't know. It's freeze since it's on the house. That's clever. Oh my goodness. That's clever. Okay. Um, I mean, I, sh- I hate it. It's, it's clever. <laughs> I believe I had a shout out. I was going to give a few people damned me. I think I sent it to you guys. Oh, uh, if we're doing um, shout outs, Georgia Butcher. Uh, Georgia she Butcher. listens to all the time and sends us stuff. Alistar Henderson. Mm-hmm. Uh, anybody who reached out to us about doing field schools this year and did one, congrats. Uh, yeah. They're probably over by now. So good for you guys. You no, know? they might be in the swing. So some are going into mid-July. Yeah, but this isn't going to come out until like October. Yeah, you know what? You're right. Yeah, this will come out in <laughs> July. Yeah, congrats if you made it through field school. Um, yeah, I, I had some other ones we were going to shout out. People message me. We'll, we'll we'll do a giant list for next one because there I have yeah. some too, and I and I've never really done the shout out thing, but I have a list. Yeah, if you guys want a shout out, um, you know, if you give us a dollar on Patreon, we will read your name. If you make it funny, give us a joke, we will read it. That's all you gotta do. Just one dollar. One whole dollar. 
and $2, one of us will do the podcast with our shirt off. Will not be me. Well, we'll it's going to be Connor. Nope. Mm-hmm. Connor's the only one that has a chest worth looking at. No. <laughs> I look like an orangutan. Okay, so yeah, that was all. Thank you so much for joining us on Life Roads Podcast. Uh, we will see you guys next week. I That was really something really funny. Hilarious, actually. And you know um, where I come from? The way we express laughter is sometimes by doing someone's knees in. Be careful, it might be yours. This episode was produced by Chris Webster from his RV Traveling America, Tristan Boyle in Scotland, and the Archaeology Podcast Network, and was edited by Chris Webster. This has been a presentation of the Archaeology Podcast Network. Visit us on the web for show notes and other podcasts at www.archpodnet.com. Contact us at chris at archaeologypodcastnetwork.com.